Hey everybody, thanks for joining us back here on Bikes and Big Ideas. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister and host of the show, and my guest this week is Franco Fratton, founder of EXT Suspension, making his return to the show to continue our deep dive into suspension tech. It's been a little bit since we did one of these episodes, so if you haven't heard them or just need to refresh yourself, you might want to go back and listen to the first couple. The links to those are in the show notes. But this time we are picking up where we left off and well the first couple of episodes focused more on damper design and technology this time we are starting things off with springs including some stuff about the trade-offs between air and coil sprung designs and some more specific info about ext's own new air shock the aria which i've been riding and have some thoughts up on the site about and then we wrap it up by giving Franco the floor to talk about his vision for what the future of mountain bike suspension might look like, what's holding us back from achieving his dream, as he puts it on that front, and a bunch more about just where we could go from here. It's a very cool one, and Franco's got a ton to teach, as always, so let's get right to it. Well... Franco, great to sit down and chat as always. Been doing a few of these now and they've always been fun. So last couple of episodes, we've been doing a lot of talk about damper design and technology, but I do think it would be worth touching a little bit on the spring side of the equation, especially since you have just launched the Aria, your first air sprung rear suspension for mountain bikes. And uh, so... To start off, I guess, would be curious to hear your thoughts on the applicability of air versus coil springs more generally speaking, and how you sort of think about what applications would be better suited to one over the other. Okay, so hi to everybody. Again, as uh, David just said, and uh, try to talk this time not about damper and damping and concentrate more on the side, coil or air. Just to make sure uh, about one thing, uh, we do all, I, we have uh, a spring into a system. If we wouldn't have a spring, we would basically sitting down on the floor because uh, two independent masses, the unsprung masses and the sprung masses, and between them two, we have a damper fitted with a coil of an air spring. If we remove the spring, or if we reduce to zero the air pressure, we are going to floor, and because uh, it is gravity that pushes us down. So, independently of what we are going to choose, if we want to ride and to have some comfort, confirm that we need to have a kind of a spring between the two masses. Um, the question is, uh, which one could be the best? And honestly, I have no precise answer. I think the best it is the best for the application that 
uh, you are working on. And uh, if you think that coil spring were invented in 1763, uh, I think in England or somewhere else, and only in 1920, they been start being used in automotive because uh, the automotive industry on using a coil spring compare a leaf spring or a friction style system that it was coming from the lift. So you, you can understand that uh, even something that now is so common, not so long ago, it was considered not suitable for a vehicle. Air spring, not very long times ago, in motorsport, uh, for what is a, what we know, most of us, they've been introduced by in uh, 1975, 1977, something like this, with the famous uh, Fox air shocks that at the time was uh, on uh, motocross when the motorcycle have uh, in motocross still a twin damper. And this made uh, air suspension getting known. The problem that the air shock had at the time in terms of what it is critical, it is still the same. He hasn't really was a problem there is still, uh, if you want, a problem today. And we have learned uh, how to cope and how to make it better and how to improve it. But this issue are the same. So the coil generally has certain characteristics that we all like it because they're very linear, but you can manufacture that are progressive. So they can give uh, a different type of uh, characteristic while they working and uh, be also uh, try to mimic some of the yes characteristic so you know nothing is 100 percentage nothing uh, not nothing everything is uh, a compromise like always so The biggest difference, if you want, between the two, it is that the coil, it is easy to measure. Let's say today is easy to factor. Uh, it's not so easy to manufacture high quality spring, but it is quite easy to establish what is the characteristic of a certain spring, certain displacement, and generally, what we all like to use, it is uh, a linear characteristic. So you know that a coil that is like 50 pound spring per inch. Sorry, it's a little bit difficult for me because I'm normally use metric, but you know, you double the stroke and you double the weight. So uh, it's, uh, it's quite easy to understand it. The air, 
it's a very, very different animal. When you try to look in, into a graph plot, okay, if you get a banana and you take it in your hand and it looks like a quarter of a moon, okay, so you have the starting that is moving to the right head quite uh, with a horizontal line and uh, is taking time to start see a grow within the displacement of the force characteristic of the spring. This is how a spring is. Uh, a spring has uh, this type of quality and this type of characteristic. It's nothing we can do to change it. It's physics. You can put more pressure inside, okay? Your characteristic, it will be the same. You will just move it up a little bit more because you have had more preload at the start, but the characteristic of the way uh, produce some force, it will be that one. And the same thing is for the coil. The coil, it will be linear, and the only thing you can do, you can preload it, and you will move it up. Its linearity and this characteristic, it will be just the same. So you have to make a decision on which one you prefer and what get out of one or the other. For sure, it is a, a big different that has been uh, one of the reasons why I think MTB industry has choose to work, especially with air, is due to weight, okay? Weight and, uh, let's say, few years ago, size, you know? To have a coil, you must be prepared to <laughs> uh, add some weight, and a coil, often is more heavy. The air, it doesn't have any weight. You can confine it in a very small environment. Obviously, change some of the characteristic of the force. But for sure, if you look only on having a spring, the air is easier to uh, fit it in uh, a very tight environment like is normally in the MTB. Having said so, it is true when we look today, the most of the manufacturer of damper, shock absorber, they choose to bigger body for the air spring, because obviously everybody has understood that size matter and certain characteristics that not the wrong state, the wrong calculation, but you choose a type of direction, maybe is going to create some problem in the way you are going to get Force. One big difference again between coil 
and here it is coil, and this is very, very critical that most of people, I think, don't know or don't understand. A coil only depends from its displacement. Doesn't matter at which speed you are going to move your coil, you compress, it will be giving you always the same amount of force for the given displacement. Okay? Doesn't matter what. The air doesn't do this. The air, it is very much dependent as a coil from the displacement, just with a different type of change, is that me? But the air spring is very much dependent on the velocity that is moving. Okay. And uh, this uh, it's very important when you manufacture a air spring because the velocity with is going to work or to uh, by the velocity of the system and not only by the displacement. So uh, this is something that uh, count when you are thinking on a ear or on a coil. Right. That is a good note that I think gets overlooked. And and so, you know, having just launched the Aria quite recently now, and I've been spending some time on it, we'll talk more about that in a little bit here, but what sort of general guidance would you give for people who are, say, trying to decide between an Aria and Astoria, your kind of equivalent coil damper? What would be the sort of parameters that would lead someone to choose one over the other? Because I think, like you said, you know, there is no 100% objective best anything, and all of these things are matters of trade-offs and compromises, rather. So what would be kind of the factors that would have you encourage someone to go one way or the other on those sorts of decisions? It's not an easy answer. Eh? <laughs> uh, you know, when we started our mountain bike experience, okay, that it was uh, 2015, uh, around that time, majority were using air damper. And uh, Dave Garland, when came here to, to see me, unfortunately, Dave is not here anymore, but I remember to say that I think that is more consistent, more reliable than the product that I have. And even if we had the experience, because active suspension uh, made with air, but they could use also an air pneumatic system, and also some other application like uh, ATV dampers, uh, suspension. We made also an F1 front damper, the one in 1996, Okenheim, with an air front damper. So we, we knew both the product, but we thought, hey, you know, 
air is difficult because you need to contain the air in, into a cylinder. Doesn't that to escape? So <laughs> not to escape, you need. And uh, seals are very dependent on the pressure, often. Okay, and not all. Now it's a little bit better, but with this better means you must be prepared. That I don't think you want to take in consideration. Okay, into the MTB industry because uh, reliability is a big factor, and certain uh, other areas are very important going to this road. And uh, so we, we said, okay, we go with a coil, we know it very well, it's going to be quite easy to make a good product. If I knew what we know today, uh, we would have maybe thought, oh, that could be a good challenge to make an air damper tool. But we soon discover to make uh, a, a kind of a production intent uh, damper for mountain bike because at the end we really started to have a product that it was uh, reliable to the industry was 2018. So with the Storia, with the V3 model, end of 2018. At, at the time we thought, oh, maybe we could also look into an air damper. We hear a lot of people not happy with the air, and we fit a coil damper to bikes that have an air damper that it should behave in a completely different way. And we couldn't understand better than the air at the time. But so when we thought about this, we realized that we would have never been able to fit an air damper designed by us with our knowledge and our uh, need to fit into the existing frame. Even today, our air damper, it's very, very, uh, um, in certain frame, because the, the, the place available, it is really small. Even if now, Fox has quite a big damper, RockShox has grown in size too. So uh, their choice to implement their product has helped us to the air uh, damper product. Now, for sure the air damper, I would say for the majority customer and user can be, let's say, easier because, you know, you don't need to have different type of spring um, and to have to change it mean to remove the damper and uh, maybe you change the spring and it's becoming a little bit more complicated because maybe you want to uh, have a different adjustment so in air spring i would say is more flexible from end customer to be used for sure, air spring is more stable also for OE to be used, to be fitting a bike, because you know you can make most of your customer capable to find the correct uh, right height, correct sag, 
without really having to make a lot of changing and putting damper and removing damper. What, in my opinion, the coil, it will be always better in terms of high performance. Was even an inherent particularity that is a very, very low friction quality. Okay. Obviously, this low friction need to be appreciated and be evaluated dependent on what you know uh, your riding and your need are the feeling. Okay. A coil. Damper, it will never have the same type of capacity to be tuned for end stroke support if it's going on a link that uh, is not very progressive. You know, a coil is like this, it's linear. Okay. You cannot fit progressive spring in a, in a pair because a progressive spring. Uh, require generally to have a little bit longer spring and probably a little bit heavier spring that is already a problem to have low weight spring that we can manufacture. Okay, today uh, steel spring are better than titanium spring in terms of weight. So, but if you if you want to use something different, it's not going to be possible. So if weight matter, you do not want to have a coil. You need to have an air. If friction matter, you want to have a coil, air. If end of stroke support, easy to tune air and to fit it to your bike, uh, uh, for sure air it is uh, to be used. Oh, I was going to say just that I've been, like I said before, testing the Aria right now and have actually just yesterday put the Storia back on the same bike to kind of go back and forth between the two and get some comparisons. And I think that summary is really good. The The Aria does have sort of more support and control at the end of the stroke. It's obviously more fine tunable more easily in terms of the spring rate because all you need is a shock pump rather than having to swap springs and being reliant on the increments in spring rate that are offered. And while the Aria is very smooth and low friction for an air spring, it still can't entirely match a coil in that regard. So uh, yeah, that, that feels like most of the highlights of what I've been feeling with both of them on the bike as well. Yes, uh, our work has been toward achieving this. So, uh, you know, we fit the hydraulic bump stop into the coil damper just to add a little bit more stroke dependency into it with a coil, a problem to do it. So we have introduced this. Um, in the area, we have we wanted to use the same type of 
have been introduced with the era fork. Okay. And the era fork doesn't really have nothing that is completely new. It is other companies they have a twin positive chamber and an, and an air negative. So the the idea was to manufacture a system that it was going to be capable to uh, achieve certain type of characteristic playing around and uh, stroke position at the SAG to be able to get certain type of characteristics that we think are the most important when you ride a bike, that it is a dynamic SAG ride. ride. So the same thing, we, we have done it, we try to do it with a, our air damper. So for sure, it is very unique into the fact, not that you have a twin positive chamber. I don't know. I who else has been doing. I know we already have a, a twin positive uh, chamber in early 90 motorsport. I know that Fox have a twin positive chamber into uh, ATV damper. So again, uh, uh, you know, two chambers separate by a piston, and you have two air chambers that are separate, and you can pressurize, and you have uh, two positive air chambers. You haven't invented anything. What I think we have made, and in fact, you know, we have uh, patent pending the system, it is that we haven't had a moving piston like we have in the era. And like else, as and if they don't have a, 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 a floating piston in series, they have an annular piston uh, around the, their main. We have made something different. And this, it is because we know that friction in damper. It is very, it can become very important, very high, because you have to use very high pressure. So when you have to increase your pressure, your friction and your stiction increase because you're still really dependent from, from the pressure. And as I said before, the velocity it is the other factor. While it is true, front suspension fork work much faster than the rear damper. I'm talking about damper, not wheel, but in front, you have a one-to-one -one motion ratio. In the rear, you have a three-to-one, 2.5, 3.2. So your damper, it's, you know, much slower than your wheel, but still, 
quite fast. And because you have a little stroke and you need to have a lot of pressure, rear damper generally hit more than front fork. And when they are eating more, just because of the working heat that you get from the damper, from the oil side, you know, from the damping side, okay? Air spring physics, that uh, it's another thing. So knowing all this, we have to make certain decision when we have done our in terms, okay, we know how to deal with two air pressure. We understand and we have found a clever way to avoid uh, an extra seal in the system. An extra seal, it's a moving seal that they will get the maximum pressure because your maximum pressure will be within the second chamber that is a very high pressure or can reach very high pressure. And now we have to solve the problem, yes, but how we can make it sensitive enough because we know that everybody would like to have a good sensitive air dam for uh, coping with all the uh, small chattering, starting of the stroke, uh, while having a good support and not getting uh, too low in ride, uh, in dynamic ride. Because you know, it's, it is quite easy. You just make your negative volume, and for sure you're going to gain a lot of sensitivity, but probably you will lose half of your travel because you know, the system it's made by air in air in the positive, and the two pressure somehow a certain moment they get balanced. So if it's too much on one side to reach the balance, you will need so much stroke and you get it on the floor, but too low in the right. So we have to make, I don't want to say that we have made big compromise, but we for sure, we put a lot of effort to try to the best compromise to have quite a large negative that this is what is helping on uh, uh, having good sensitivity while working a lot with seals and this uh, coating system to be able to have low friction possible and to have the correct position with negative chamber and the positive chamber in terms of exchange of the um, of the pressure in the uh, uh, sag, right? So the the system we have seems that is satisfying. Obviously, as I was saying before, we are paying dimension because we end up to have not for sure the lighter air damper in the world, and for sure not the smaller air damper in the world. I hope the best air damper in the world, 
Okay, but as I was saying before, it is again a compromise. While we will be able to achieve quite this characteristic with a coil, but if we want to have some of the other characteristic, we will not be able to have it with a coil damper. Obviously, we have to work. Okay, so um, this is, uh, I think it's important. We have some constriction due to the fact that we need to stay with a certain dimensions that are established by the industry. And for sure, be more free, it will allow maybe to implement both of the system and get in the best for them. But today, uh, because of this, we are, you know, our hands are a little bit tight. Right. The We talked about this in the past episode a little bit too, but just the modularity that is expected of bikes and the fact that the damper that you're making is needs to be able to be fit to a big range of bikes is in some ways a really good thing for consumers because it gives many more choices for swapping things around and setting up the bike to their desired preferences and what have you. But it does also pose some constraints on how you as the suspension company can design things and how it all has to fit together. And uh, yeah, there, like anything, there were trade-offs to that. I would be curious to hear you talk a little bit more. You mentioned earlier that if you knew then what you know now, you might have been more interested in trying to do an air damper with some of your early mountain bike projects. And I'm curious what you think are the most important and significant lessons that you were referring to there. What has sort of changed in your understanding and knowledge base that had made the air project feel more viable? When I, I was listening to Dave uh, talking about what it was deficiency in the damper he was using at the time, to me, it came straight to my mind, well, I think we need to make an air damper that is better than this one. And uh, I would said, and we solved the problem uh, because... Uh, the issue was relating it partially from the air side, but I think mainly from the damping quality of the time. And because I was sure our damping quality would have been great, and that's no doubt, and knowing we knew how to make an air uh, a spring, that's what I thought. The problem was when I realized the confinement and that we couldn't fit what we for sure, we are convinced that our needs for a high quality performance project. You know, because I don't want that, you know, people misunderstand. A damper can be a good product, okay, when you have a good quality, in good reliability, and it can offer 
control on what is, I think, one of the most important things, safety. So when a damper, you know, offer a good quality of damping to control the system, you could say, oh, it's doing its job, okay? The biggest change is when you want that it's doing its job and it's becoming a performance tool that you want to go faster and to go faster and be safer, okay? Uh, I, I don't know if I already mentioned this is, a, you know, just a, on, on the side. It, race engineer in America called Carol Smith, one of the most important automotive IndyCar engineer ever. He's been writing on uh, vehicle dynamic. And uh, because he was quite old and he had a lot of experience. One day he mentioned that he was finding difficult that sometime a damper could make a car good or bad. While before, when he had to work with friction, you know, no one was caring. That was like a statement, you know, it was a paradigm. This is what you have. Go in and work with everything else to find your performance. But after the damper tool for performance. So when we realized that we couldn't make the product as we thought it was a need and it was then we have to say, oh, okay, we, we can't. We can't we can't because we will not fit any anything that we want. Now we have more chance, not 100% struggle still. We also, I have to say, we have been having a little bit more recognition from the industry so we can get a little bit more information about him. So we can check uh, a little bit more easy what is the need. Sometimes it's just enough to move uh, one millimeter certain thing around and you can still fit more frame that so you should have access to all this information and still for us is is not so easy but it is better than in the past so we have decided hey now we can make it and let's see something that uh, even if it's a near damper uh, it will be probably satisfy a lot of people that they do not want to buy a coil because it's, it is like a little, you know, David, we make our fork. It is era and it's a normal uh, industrial MTB design like everybody else is making. You know, you have a magnesium tension and you have a single crown or sometime in the next future, we will have also a double crown. But if I have to think to make a fork in my idea, I will make an upside down fork for sure. Because I grew up with this type of fork that we are using. Development have made all the other type of vehicle to use 
uh, upside down fork. But I understand that it is some issue related to some other uh, possible problem. So you say, hey, if you are not the clever guy in the world, maybe it's better you understand first and you prove that you can do mean that we do not think that maybe in the near future we will have an upside down fork okay and uh, so it is a moment i will say for everything in life for us we started two and a half years ago to work with our air damper as, as you can understand we can manufacture a new very quickly incredibly quickly because working with motorsport you know what you're doing today it's already past in the next two months you need to build something new and and you need better and for us to enough here invested to design and test and going to production with an air damper for us it's incredibly long so that we haven't find it easy to find all the best solution that we wanted to put inside that for sure it would have been much quicker and easier if we had maybe one centimeter around the one centimeter in length compared what is that now so this is what today i think is still a limitation in being able to performance into MTB in in the suspension area. The rest, I don't put my nose in. Yeah, that's it's interesting to hear you say that that still feels like the limitation, which makes sense. But especially on the well, the rear damper side of things, the bike industry actually kind of took this one step in that direction with the conversion over to metric sized rear dampers some years ago and you've kind of got a bit longer and more space to package things for a given amount of stroke and it sounds like you maybe think that that could have gone even farther which is uh, i mean i guess perhaps not the most surprising thing you know more room to work with would of course give you options to do more things that you couldn't with the more constrictive packaging but that is maybe a good segue into what I was going to ask about next too, which is just where do you see the opportunities for mountain bike suspension to go in terms of things that could be done differently, not necessarily with your product line specifically, but just in general with how, what is the next potential evolution and next steps look like in your head as far as what we could, at least in theory, be doing differently? You know, the, the vision and the aim and the dream, it is that you want to be able to do everything, to tune everything and to be able to something that is working uh, precisely in every single uh, movement, load, acceleration, position, you know, this is translating in active, okay? And I'm not saying electronic, 
because uh, electronic it's, it is another story a, a, a media that you use to activate certain control so <laughs> the problem it is what you use to achieve this type of control when you look at it to be the history lotus f1 was the first racing car to use full active suspension system and when we're talking an active suspension it is a suspension that is not only capable to change the damping but is capable to change the load and the height of the vehicle and adapting in real time within microsecond to the need that the some sensors are capable to calculate and to move the information you know to a particular through a particular ECU system to all your uh, active system I've been lucky enough to work with this and after I was lucky enough to work with the Williams that was the next and not the next the other option but the weight and the power consumption was really high for sure uh, with the William more refined and it came later I think at least the weight was a big improvement the power you know after it's becoming a question you get an engine that you have more power and you can drink a little bit more power and if the rest is working greater you are going to go fast as the Williams was beating everybody else so but if you take all this and you think oh I'm going to put it into this is you have no space and you don't want to carry for sure no weight and even if we talking about the now electric bike getting and so weight is not so much of a problem if you want to have a real active i don't think you have place and room so my dream is gone okay my ideal possibility is gone still still i think it is space or area where you could introduce some electronic control uh, uh, effect that they're going to be to make the certain picker to be adjusted in an easier way so instead to have to stop and turn your adjuster with your hand you do it with an electronic control that is switching on and off okay it can be your lock to pedal it can be maybe to add a little bit more low speed damping okay for sure very difficult to add some high speed damping with you have available but 
these are going to be, you know, um, a little help, okay? But the way of the performance you will get from your existing system, I think we are really, really, really very far to be able to say that what they calling live, active, I don't know what else they've been called. They are really affecting performance. They are affecting, you know, they make it easy. Like the washing machine, you can wash it by hand or you wash in the machine. Yeah, at the end, you're still the same, is wash, okay? One is going to do quick, okay, in a, in a damper, you can just turn your low speed, okay? But the existing system are not capable to react. The entire damping quality that you need in that moment, they just change one point of your adjustability and your need. It is nothing that we can use even in the in the car, they can run anyhow uh, more weight and more sophisticated system. The faster is still because it's just reacting at the same time to one input. Okay, obviously it reacts with the same uh, characteristic. What you like system is understand. To, that you need to change the characteristic. <clears throat> so you need to change a lot of your parameter in the damping. To do this, you still need that are active valves that require a lot of power. And they are quite large in dimension. So again, what you know, we, we see restriction due to confinement, restriction due to interference, weight and size is making it very complicated to be able to better than what we have. What we see around, I personally, I do not think they are solving or helping to performance, okay? We, we are also working in, in one because we have done an active damper, okay? For car, for a rally car. After work ban, Federation decided that, you know, um, by regulation to uh, reduce cost, uh, no one can use any more active system or electronic control system in motorsport. But at the moment, it's not possible in motorcycle or in racing car. But we are working in some a couple of systems to control some area of either a rider the possibility to do some intervention to change some characteristic, dependent if he's going uphill or downhill, or if you want to have a little bit more uh, rigid or whatever. But you are somehow going to interfere with the general use and the general characteristic, you're not going to do any kind of 
fine tuning that at the maximum when you can apply real active control. You know, it is uh, it is something that uh, today I don't possible, but today, yeah, today, and and for what is my knowledge, maybe somebody has solved other problem, and uh, you know, uh, I will be proved wrong, and I like to be proved wrong because mean that it is space for all of us to do better because somebody's done it means that you can do it. So, you know, it's a, it's a goal, it's a task. Uh, I think it is, uh, as I said, it's not an easy, an easy thing to make it happen uh, and to, to make your dream come true. Yeah. And I mean, the sort of the, like you said, the more basic attempts at electronically controlled suspension that we've seen in the bike world thus far, things like RockShox flight attendant are really just focused on adding low speed compression when the system deems that acceptable to make the bike pedal more efficient, essentially. But it's not doing anything to really further the actual suspension performance on a descent or when you're really using suspension, it's all kind of just baked around efficiency and firming up the suspension when you don't really need it to be acting as suspension. And it does that really well, but it's a far cry from the true full active system that you're describing by a long shot. And so I guess, what do you think would need to change in order for such an active system as we understand it today to become viable. I mean, you, you talked about power consumption and weight being big issues along with packaging. So would it be something like we would need some advancements in battery technology plus having a bike that is just designed around such a system that doesn't use a conventionally sized damper and that kind of thing? Or what would you imagine would need to happen? But I, I don't think... I don't think it is a battery the main problem, okay? And for sure you will use power, so the battery are going to last less. Battery are getting better and better for power and long lasting, okay? I'm more concerned about a valve design, and the valve size that you need to use to fit in a damper to be able to achieve certain damping control. You know, because I want to make a, a damper, no, not a damper, a vehicle more comfortable. You know, you can just see are, are not as comfortable generally compare American, okay? American use a completely different type of uh, damping ratio because generally when you are in America, and I wasn't no long ago in America, and uh, I was driving a car and I was thinking, yes, very good because all these roads are, you know, the pavement is not so bad, okay? But uh, sometimes, yes, this kind of cut, 
And yeah, I, I can understand why to go around relax, you want to have a type of disease. But when you come in Europe, our roads are much smaller, our roads are much twister, and uh, uh, our car generally behave in a different way. So you make a choice where certain value in your damping that is still passive for both of the car, but one is behaving in a different way than the other. It's like, you know, you want to go fast around the racetrack. Generally, the fastest car will be the car that you have the better grip, the better comfort, the better ride quality, you know, and uh, it's all based around certain criteria of choosing damping characteristics that is adapt to all the situation. Obviously, it's raining. Ah, your damping is that one. You're not going to change it because you have no time. You can't control it. Probably, yeah, you can just open a little bit your damping characteristic with a bleed pass. And for the rainy condition, it will be, it will be much better. Okay? So this is the level where you can eventually do your intervention. But it will make it just better if it's raining or the same as before. This is a on and off, you know? So your valve, it will decide if you want to have strategically, I want it all off or always on. And that will change on sometime or is always on and I can make it off sometime, okay? The problem it is that this sometime mean that it will be in that position for period, that it will be very good for one condition, but not best for all the conditions that you are going to find in that instant, because a lag into your control that is maybe feel good from the rider, because, oh, yeah, it's nice, it's more comfortable, but as different, and oh, but I can't do this because now it's understeering or it's oversteering or it's, uh, you know, too floppy and uh, I'm losing uh, a kind of a braking. So, when be able to get a performance, uh, your system is is today forced to be very sophisticated and your valve design are very complicated. Even the small one are quite big and uh, um, just forgetting the cost. Let's decide the cost because cost is, uh, is very high because, uh, you know, we have been talking only about how to make as a component a possible active or electronic control valve and this. But to get all this work, external support, you know, sensor, okay? And this cost too. You have to have a very, very good ECU that uh, is getting the information from you, send it out to the uh, valve. So this, it's quite a high cost, and 
and mountain bike are not cheap. And uh, if a, a, a suspension like this is costing a few thousand euro or dollar, ooh, maybe it's not becoming so easy. What it can be, the results that this offering, okay? I would say if it was offering the maximum result possible today in terms of performance, it's up to each of us. Uh, if he can, if his focus is, I will get this, and with this, I will go much faster. Okay, yeah, maybe it's worth thinking, but today they are not capable to. Don't know for, as I said, till until when they will be capable only to some of this, as I don't know is the value added it's from the user. I think, I, I do not think so. Right. Yeah. We hadn't really <laughs> considered that angle on things up until that point, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, motorsport stuff obviously is famously extremely expensive at the high end. And you, you do at some point reach this point of diminishing returns where if you're willing to throw an immense amount of money at something and devote the resources to it, you can, you can make these little improvements here and there, but at what point for most people is enough enough is uh, certainly a fair question. And um, that's, I think perhaps a nice note to wrap up on Franco. I think we've kind of covered what we set out here and any final parting thoughts for us on this, on the matter or shall we leave it there? <laughs> I think we've been talking quite a lot and also about possible future and also you know some possible news from us okay yes we got that little teaser in there as well that was good yeah let, let, let's keep in contact at the moment we really focus on the new area and we are really to hear comment from uh, the future soon utilizer what they think about. Um, we got some inside comment from the people that doing the work with us in the last two years and mostly in the last six months. And I need to thank them because they've been really great on helping. And now it's in the hand of the... So I hope we have been able to offer something that uh, is going to be uh, recognized uh, to be satisfactory and a good step, a better air damper system. Yep, like I said, I've been spending time on it and have been quite impressed thus far. We've got a flash review up on the site and we'll have my proper full review up fairly soon here once I get a little bit more time on it and do a little more comparing to the story especially but it's coming along well and been impressed so far so you've done some good work there and thank you as always for the chat this was a lot of fun and i think really informative so hope everyone else enjoys it too but i've had a great time okay thank you david thank you to everybody bye all right that's it for this edition of bikes and big ideas and as always we would very much appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in apple podcasts 
I'd like to say thanks to Franco for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll be back again with you next week. Bye, everybody.